You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. How is everybody? Y'all ready? Open your Bibles this morning to um, Luke chapter 14. And while you're turning there, I want to give you one other announcement. Um, We have been working really hard um, to get our men's retreat up off the ground uh, this fall. Uh, For those of you guys who've been around for a little while, every year we try to take our guys on a men's retreat. We usually go up to Red River, New Mexico. We've been going up there for almost 15 years now. And um, we have a fantastic time in the mountains, um, some powerful uh, moments of worship, some powerful messages, and just some life-changing opportunities and some moments for, for the men and the, and the young men in our church. And so um, with COVID and everything, it's been kind of up in the air. And so um, New Mexico is doing some strange things. <laughs> I was thinking of a, a nice way to say this. And so we've just made a decision. We're moving the men's retreat to, to Oklahoma. It's kind of a last-minute thing. And we have an, a venue in Oklahoma that we can use. And Oklahoma will let you have more than five people in a room, which is awesome. And so um, basically what this, this means is if you're a, a man and you went to men's retreat with us last year and you got those dates or you've been looking at dates and had those off, we actually had to move weekends. And so I really want you to pay attention to that. I have some information that's going to go out uh, on through our social media tomorrow. Uh, we'll, we'll try to email the guys. But just uh, if you're watching on the live stream, if you're here today, just mark these dates down, October 22nd through the 24th. Um, we're going to be in Davis, Oklahoma, a fantastic camp down there. The facilities, which usually are, are pretty booked this, uh, all throughout the year, um, but because of COVID, they have some availability, and so we're going to use uh, their, their facilities. Um, there's some great golf courses right around there. Of course, there's some fantastic fishing uh, around there, and there's, a, there's an ATV course that's like pretty, pretty awesome. I actually heard today that um, Kurt was telling me that, that Michael Kiesling is actually going to be competing on that course the, the actual weekend that we're going to be there, and so... Um, if any of that appeals to you, I just want to encourage you. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer, or if you would just uh, just come find me. I'll give you information about men's retreat. It's usually about $250. We're trying to get the lodging and everything set. And so I just want to, um, just want to invite you to come be a part of that. Notice the dates for those of you guys who have those um, marked off. And, and please try to get some time off and come with us to Davis, Oklahoma. It's going to be a fantastic retreat this year. All right, so like Pastor April said, um, Pastor Bo did a fantastic job last week kicking off our new sermon series titled, There's Going to Be a Wedding. And, and a couple of weeks back, uh, Pastor Bo and I were talking about sermon uh, preparation, and we were kind of getting some stuff together and talking about doing a sermon series together. And so um, really, uh, really, really appreciate what he did last Sunday as he kicked us off in this series. And in this series, we're taking a deeper look at Jesus' role as our bridegroom. And one of the things that Pastor Bo pointed out last week is all throughout Scripture, you see God referred to in several different roles. You see him referred to as a king. We were even singing a song just now talking about how he reigns over everything. He reigns over everything as the king of the universe, as the king over everything that he's created. Amen? It talks about in Scripture that God is not only a king, but he's a judge. He has perfect justice. That's a topic we've talked about a lot in our country in this year. Amen? But what the Bible says is that God is perfectly just. That He will judge the sins of mankind. Not only um, in this lifetime you will reap consequences, but in eternity you will be judged and God is the judge. But Scripture also refers 
to God as a groom, specifically to Jesus as a groom. You and I, we kind of get used to this term as the churches that we are the bride of Christ. And if we are the bride of Christ, we do have a groom and his name is Jesus. And if Jesus is our groom, how does that affect my life? And I know Pastor Bo did a good job last week talking about how weird of a concept it is, for, especially for a guy to think of Jesus as a groom. But listen, there's a, there's a reality in understanding the fact that one of these days the church will be wed to Jesus the groom. It's like this ceremony that we're having here today, this gathering that we're having here today, the, the focal point of today's gathering is the groom who's not here physically. And one day he will be in the room in this festive thing that we do on a week-to-week basis is a relationship that we're going to have all throughout eternity with the bridegroom. Can you imagine how much more passion and how much more um, circumstance and pomp that there's going to be whenever the groom is actually in the room with the bride? It's going to be a powerful thing. And so one of the things that we're trying to do is get deep in our hearts. How does this impact my life? How does it change the way that I relate to Jesus as my king, as my judge, but also as the lover of my soul, the one who loves me so much that he died for me? And so what I want to do today is here's the, you know, here's the thing that I've just been kind of thinking about getting this message ready, is if there is going to be a wedding, have you responded to your invitation? Have you responded officially to your invitation to this wedding? Look at Luke chapter 14, and Jesus in this chapter is teaching a parable. He actually teaches that this parable is recorded a couple different places in the Gospels. One of them is in Luke 14, and you get Luke's perspective on this. But the other one is in Matthew chapter 22. And we'll, if we have time, I'm going to try to work that into the end. If we have time to get to Matthew 22, I want to show you that because Matthew kind of says a couple things differently in this story. But it, you know what a parable is. A parable is, is a, just a story. And Jesus is using this story to illustrate an eternal um, truth an eternal reality of what God's kingdom is like. And so as we're sitting here uh, listening to, or as we're fixing to sit here and listen to the story that Jesus is going to tell us today, I want to give you a little bit of the backdrop. What's happening in the, middle of, in the midst of this conversation before Jesus launches into this story? Jesus has been invited to a dinner at a very important person's house. He's a, he's a Pharisee, he's a religious leader, and he invites Jesus to come to this it's not quite a banquet, but it's a dinner and it's a social gathering. And so Jesus shows up and he's kind of noticing all these people and how they, they interact. And he, he tells a couple of stories. And in the process of telling these stories, he's in a tense environment. See, these religious leaders, this, this specific religious leader was part of the Pharisees. And as he's inviting Jesus to come be a part of this social experience, they don't really like Jesus. He's not really one of them. As a matter of fact, in just a little while, they're going to plot to kill Jesus. And so there's this tension that's kind of in the room. And just before this dinner happens in the previous chapters, and Matthew actually captures this really well, these same religious leaders are questioning what authority Jesus has to say the things that he says and to do the things that he does. They basically are kind of pushing back against him like, who are you to come in here and challenge our status quo? And so there is some tension in the room, and it's in the midst of that tension that Jesus begins to tell this parable. Look in verse 15 is where we'll start. 
And as Jesus is talking about um, banquets, he, he kind of starts telling a previous parable, and so I'll kind of get you up to speed. He talks about why we invite people to banquets. And he says, you know, one of the reasons that you invite people to banquets is because they can do something for you in return. It's like we try to invite the powerful and the pretty people so that the powerful and pretty people will like us and they will do something for us, right? I know none of y'all do that. But Jesus was talking about that issue. And he said, what you should do is you should invite anybody, especially people who can't do something for you in return. And so he's talking about how we accept one another. And in the midst of that, a guy makes a statement at the dinner party. He, st- he pipes up and he says this statement. Look at verse 15. He says, when one of those who, um, who reclined at table with Jesus heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone. So he's being real inclusive right now. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, let me just pause there for just a second because he makes a very pregnant statement. And Jesus knows exactly what he's talking about. And any Jew that's in the room knows exactly what this man is talking about. He's saying, blessed is anybody who gets to dine at the wedding feast of the king. This was something that was pretty defined in their theology. And so they all believed that one day there was going to be a great banquet whenever the kingdom of God, whenever the Messiah ruled Israel again. And so what this man is saying, is he kind of throws the statement out there, blessed is anybody who gets to come to that party. And Jesus tells a story. Verse 16, but Jesus said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Say excuses. That's a big point today. They all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought, a, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house <clears throat> became angry, and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited and made excuses, that's the implication, shall taste my banquet. Now here's the reality of your life and my life. Every single one of you has been sent an invitation to a banquet with the bridegroom. The question today is, have you responded? Have you responded to that? You know, you see the, 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 the interaction that goes on between this, this master and his servants. And he says, go remind everybody that I invited them to this banquet. Everything's ready. And everybody starts making excuses. And he says, well, then go find other people. Go find some more. And there's this thing inside the master's heart that he wants his house to be filled. 
He wants the, the, the experience of the banquet to be felt by many. He doesn't want just a select few, but he wants many. And at the end of this parable, you see this master inviting any and everybody because the original intended audience wasn't interested in being there. Now, I told you there was some tension in the room. Jesus was talking to those Jewish leaders specifically. It actually says later on, it's either here or in Matthew, it points this out, that they realized that he was talking about them. That the, that the, the religious system of Moses that the Jews had stewarded from generation to generation to generation, they had received that invitation. It was theirs. It was theirs to respond to and theirs to steward. And here they were, and Jesus was there. The groom, the Messiah, the king of the universe, the one that they had been waiting for was now there eating dinner with them, and they didn't recognize him. And it's in the midst of that tension that they realize they're talking about him, and it ticks them off, so much so that they begin to plot to kill Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but it, it does something in my in my soul and in my heart, to know that God, if this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, that God wants his house full. You know, one of the things that Jesus told his disciples right before he went to the cross, John chapter 15 through 17, he's, he's downloading a lot, of, a lot of truth to them and a lot of information. One of the things he told them, he says, don't be sad that I'm going away because I'm preparing a place for you. And it does something inside of my heart to know that God wants me there. He wants me to be included. He wants you to be included. There's something in the heart of God that's grieved whenever he thinks about somebody missing the opportunity and the invitation to be part of what he's preparing for us in eternity. We, we've been planning a wedding for, for Sydney and Merrick, and one of the things that we've had to do, just talking about COVID, is in, you know planning stuff right now is just really crazy. You're talking about the men's retreat and weddings, and we had this conversation several several weeks ago about how many people we could invite because you know only fifty percent capacity and all those different things. And and that was probably the biggest bummer of the all, the whole thing is she was sad and bummed because she wasn't going to get to be able to invite everybody that she wanted to invite. Listen, the reality of Jesus and the heart of God is you are invited. You're invited. The only question that remains is, have you responded officially to that invitation? Now, there's two things that I want to focus on in this parable. The first one is excuses, and the second one is responsibility. Okay? I had you say excuses a while ago. Say excuses again. I want you to remember that word today. When you're eating your lunch and you're laying your head on your pillow tonight, I want you to think about excuses. You know, excuses, they're like armpits. Everybody's got them and they all stink. Now, I don't know if you grew up where I grew up, but you probably heard a different way that that was ever told it, but we're in church today, so I gave you the clean version. But excuses are stinky and unoriginal. And as you're thinking about excuses, there's this thing that happens whenever somebody begins to make excuses to you, and you're like, man, I've heard that one so many times. Teachers, can I get you to raise your hand real quick? It's like, why, how many times somebody told you that they didn't get their assignment in on time because? It's like, I've heard them all. None of them are original. And as you're listening to somebody make you an excuse, you just kind of have this thing that kind of turns over in your stomach, don't you? 
excuses, what that, that, that saying basically says is excuses are offensive. And they really are. Whenever somebody begins to make excuses to you that you know are like, that's a, that's a bad one. You're like, you're insulting my intelligence. Notice the response of this master whenever everybody began to make their excuses. I've got some oxen I got to go look at. I got a piece of land I got to go look at. I got a, I'm in a new relationship with a lady and we've got a date night. Said he became angry. There was something in the master's heart that just, something in his stomach that just kind of turned and he's like, Do you realize what I'm asking you to come be a part of? See, most of us think that God is mad at us because of our sin, but listen, your sin has been resolved. One of the reasons that God gets angry is because the, because the people that he created refuse to engage in a relationship with them because they're busy. I got other stuff going on. I've been there. I can remember as a 17-year-old kid growing up in the church and, and, and the gospel being presented to me in a compassionate way and going, man, I'll do that some other time. I'm having too much fun right now. And so there's this thing in the heart of God who's extending a, an invitation to us to begin to participate. And listen, all of our excuses fall short. Every single one of them. If he really does reign above it all, if he really is the creator of everything, if he really has loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son, how offensive are our excuses that stand in the way of us having a deep relationship with God? See, excuses do some things, but they also don't do some things. Excuses do not move the heart of God. Excuses actually cause him to just move on. See, there's this, in this parable as we were reading that, it, there's this thing that happens and there's this window of opportunity to receive the invitation. And as the master is receiving these excuses of why people can't come, he just moves on. He waits for a little while. I think that's the graciousness of God. But there is a window of opportunity that every single person has to respond to the invitation that God's laid at your feet. And as we make excuse after excuse, eventually that window of opportunity will close. There will come a day whenever you will draw your last breath, and none of us knows when that will be. And until that day, you have an opportunity to respond, but once it's done, it's done. Amen? See, excuses do not move the heart of God. He just moves on. I think with grief and with a little bit of anger because that didn't have to happen. But here's what excuses do. They actually do communicate a lack of value. They reveal what it is that you actually prioritize, what it is that you actually call important in your life. And a lot of times, your excuses show that you value the wrong thing. Think about what these, these individuals, these examples of excuses in this parable actually said. They actually said, my cows, farm, and relationships are more important than coming to your banquet. Now the other thing that I want to focus on is responsibility. And one of the things, as we talk about responsibility, whenever somebody invites you to something, especially if it's an important person, and, and in Matthew's version of this parable, he actually says who this master was. It says there was a king that threw a wedding banquet for his son. 
And right before Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 22, he said, the kingdom of heaven is just like this. There was a master, I'm sorry, a king, who threw a wedding feast for his son. And as you're thinking about that, whenever somebody, especially a king, invites you to something, it requires a response. This man in this parable, he actually had to go solicit responses. See, he began with sending out the word that they were invited. And I don't know if that came with a written invitation, probably did. And even in those days, they had a tradition where if it was a king inviting you to a royal banquet, especially a wedding banquet for his son, then you would receive wedding clothes to wear so that everybody had the right attire. And that was actually the way that you got into the wedding. And so there was this official thing, but listen... These people all ignored the official invitation, and the master in Luke chapter 14 had to send his servants to go find out, hey, are you coming? Everything's ready. And that's whenever the excuses begin to happen. Now, the reason I point this out is because how many of y'all know what RSVP stands for? It's a French phrase. It's all right, I'm not going to try to say it for you. I tried to practice it, and I was like, that's terrible. I even have a little bit of French in me. But RSVP basically means, please respond. Please give a reply. Let me know what's going on. Now listen, invitations, especially one from royalty, requires a response. If you don't respond, I would suggest it's a little bit like the middle finger. You have this this man and this master, this king, who sends his servants... And, and there's this thing that happens with the excuses, and then he gets angry. You can tell that this person is offended. Amen? And so this is the thing about invitations requiring response. It requires responsibility. And here's my definition of responsibility for you today, and you may not find this one on, on Google. But for our purposes today, responsibility means your ability to respond. How many people in this room have an ability to respond? Raise your hand. Everybody, except a few, has the ability to respond. One of the things that happened a few years ago, um, our son is mentally challenged, and I'll give you this, this great example of your inability to respond. Real life scenario. He turned 18, and we had to actually become his guardian. It's, it, I, I actually learned a lot from the legal proceeding that we had to go through um, to become McCoy's um, adult guardians, now that he's an adult, according to the government. And, you know, as you kind of go through that process, and one of the things that I learned is that he has rights. Everybody say, praise God. Praise God. And in our country, removing somebody's rights from them is actually very difficult, and that's a good thing. And so whenever he turned 18, he is unable to respond to certain things. Somebody asked us recently if we were going we to let Koi go vote. And I was like, no. And they, they kind of were like, well, why not? And I was like, because he can't make that decision. If you want him to vote me twice, we can do that. <laughs> but he'll just go push whatever button I tell him to. He is unable to respond. Therefore, he has to have somebody come help make decisions for him. You get that? Now, I'm going to ask this question again. How many of you are able to respond? Everybody, except a few people, are able to respond to circumstances in their life. This is why not responding is offensive. 
And I'm not talking about casual stuff, okay? I'm talking about a really important invitation. And the invitation that's laid before you from God is an eternal invitation. It affects everything. It's what you should be living your life for. And so for us to not respond and just be quiet, it really does affect things on a, on a, on a really big way to the point where I would say this, and I've said this a couple times, an invitation requires an official response. I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 22. Yes, we do have time for this. Matthew chapter 22 This is the same parable Jesus is telling in Luke chapter 14. It just has a little bit more information. So Matthew kind of tells... It's like a story. How many of y'all tell a lot of stories? And how many times do you tell a story that it kind of changes sometimes? And so Matthew has some different details about this story that Jesus is telling that I want you to be aware of. Because here's the thing that happens sometimes whenever we receive invitations, especially whenever we're talking about receiving an invitation from God. We have this idea that pops into our minds, and it goes a little bit like this. Well, if I just kind of live my life however I want to, and I kind of play patty cake with Jesus, maybe I'll just kind of slide in to a relationship with him. Listen, you do not get married accidentally unless you went to Vegas (laughs) on a bad weekend that you don't want anybody to know about. Otherwise, you only get married intentionally. And that's the whole part of this, 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 this role that Jesus plays as the groom is you are not going to enter into this relationship with the God of the universe on accident. You won't do it casually. It's not going to ha- be something that's... It's not like osmosis where you just kind of absorb holiness from God and you're just there because you're kind of putting yourself in the right places. You may get the gospel and at some point in time it actually hits your heart and you respond to it, but a response is required. In Matthew chapter 22, I told you that basically one of the traditions was you got invited to this wedding banquet and they would send you wedding clothes. And the same scenario has happened in Matthew's version of this parable. This, this king who's throwing a wedding banquet for his son invites all these people and he starts going to them telling, hey, everything's ready, come on, we're ready for you guys. And they're like, oh, no, wait, 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 I just got a new car, I need to go change the oil. And they start coming up with all these excuses. And he gets angry and he starts inviting everybody. Just fill my house, anybody can come. It's not just for the Jews now, it's for anyone. Anyone who believes shall be saved. And so he begins to invite everyone. And in the middle of the wedding banquet, look at verse... Let me find it here. 29. No, that's not right. Sorry. 11. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here? without a wedding garment. And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Listen, you can't do this accidentally. You can't have somebody else do this for you. You have to respond to the invitation that Jesus has given you to be married to him. There's something that has to happen within your your personal responsibility to raise your hand and say, here I am, God, I want a relationship with you. 
There has to be something to where you exercise your personal agency. And you can make your own decisions. It's not your mama and your daddy's decision. It's not your grandma and your grandpa's decision. This is your decision. And listen, I know that we, we, we live in the panhandle of Texas. You've heard the gospel so many times, right? But have you responded? You've been invited many times, but have you replied? This is the thing that I want you to consider today. If Jesus Christ is the groom, have you received and replied to your invitation to the wedding? If you would stand with me this morning. I want to ask our worship team to come up. We're going to receive communion. And so if you have your elements, if you'll just kind of get those ready. If you don't have communion elements, we had those. Uh, you can grab them before you can. Just raise your hand. We have some ushers that will bring you some elements by. You know, one of the things that the Bible calls us to do that whenever we receive these elements and we receive communion is to remember. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And one of the things that I want to call your memory to today is that this wafer that you're about to eat and the juice that you're about to partake of reminds you of the invitation that you have into a relationship with Jesus Christ. My question to you today is, have you responded to that invitation? I want to ask you to bow your head. And I just really believe in, in allowing people to have this moment with the Lord. And so if you've been in our church before, maybe if you haven't been in our church before, I'll say this to those of you who haven't. I'm not, we're not fixing to do a thing where you come down in front of everybody and I embarrass you and I get you know, all of your personal details. We would love to help you in your relationship with the Lord. But this is between you and Jesus right now. Have you responded to his invitation to become not only the Lord of your life but your groom see salvation is relational it's not a religion it's not an act of do's and don'ts that we have to perform he's inviting you into a relationship as intimate as a marriage a oneness with him so I just want to encourage you, if, if today's the day that you need to respond to that, I want you to begin to do that in your heart, but I want to encourage you to just lift your hand up in response to him and say, God, that's me today. I am making a decision under my personal agency that I am going to receive this invitation to allow you to be the Lord of my life, to lead me into everything that you're calling me into. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe that you are the king of the universe. I believe that your blood has washed away my sin. And today, I receive it. service is over, I want to invite you, if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, come by Guest Connect. We have some books that we would love to give you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to just help you in your, in your walk with the Lord. But as Pastor Mercy leads us in worship, I want to just encourage you to receive communion and have this moment with the Lord.